Welcome to the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast, your place for all things health, wellness, self-care, and real talk. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, health coach, actor, and badass extraordinaire. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought with some serious real talk to help you find your passion, speak your truth, and get you one step closer to living your fuck yes life. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, 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 you guys. Welcome to episode eight of the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast. I am Amanda Catherine Loy, your host and badass extraordinaire and human being and real life mess leading you along this crazy journey. Um, if you are new to the podcast, definitely take a listen to the last seven episodes to get kind of an idea of what all this is about. But we are here to navigate and go through the mess of the quarter-life crisis bullshit together uh, through self-care tools and wellness tools and things that are maybe outside of the box. We talk about it all here and we're focusing all on real talk. And I'm just so grateful to have you guys here. And I just want to say a lot of you guys have been reaching out specifically about episode six, Facing Fear Head On. If you haven't given a listen, make sure you do. Uh, And from the bottom of my heart, I just want to say that it is so incredibly beautiful to hear your stories, to see your truth. So many of you have opened up to me about what you're going through in your own life. Um, A lot of you guys have reached out specifically about what I shared on the podcast and your own journey with cancer and uh, in your family or within your own life. And I just, the outpouring of messages that I have gotten the last couple of weeks has been overwhelmingly beautiful. And I just want to say thank you for sharing your heart and for being yourself and embracing the mess. And for those of you who had no idea that it was possible to even get this kind of genetic testing done, I hope that you make a decision that feels good for you and that resonates with your heart. And you know that we will be talking about this and sharing in the Facebook community so much. If you're not already in that space, definitely make sure you hop on over. It is a safe, supportive space for us to navigate this together. And not just this, um, you know, all the things, um, but we definitely will be talking about this because it's definitely a part of my life. And uh, you guys know that I'm all about sharing the real, the raw, and the vulnerable. So Uh, That's definitely going to be going down in there. Uh, And this week, you guys, I'm sharing a part of my story. I didn't expect to within this this interview with the amazing Rini Frey of Own It Babe. She is incredible. And in our interview, we talk so much about body positivity, body dysmorphia, um, eating disorders, and just dive into her story and how she has navigated uh, multiple eating disorders and gotten to the place where she has found self-compassion with her own body. Um, and, And also I open up about my own history with disordered eating and disordered relationship with fitness and kind of how I've gotten here today too. So uh, I haven't really shared that on the podcast yet. So 
Yeah, definitely looking forward to hearing all of your thoughts. And I know a lot of you guys struggle with emotional eating and a disordered relationship with fitness. And God, it's just such a huge, huge impactful thing. So I really hope that this resonates, that you find comfort in knowing you're not alone and that you dig in and and show up and love. But before we do that, I am super fucking stoked to announce this episode is brought to you by Bully Make. Bully Make is a dog subscription box for power chewers, and it is so freaking rad, you guys. As you guys know, I am a dog mom, and I my dog, Toby, is a golden doodle. He's 60 pounds, and he loves to play, and he loves to wrestle, and he loves to chew on his goddamn toys. And we have struggled the last almost two years to find toys for him that don't get destroyed within 24 hours because he just loves to play and chew. And I bet you that so many of your dogs like do the same. And if you've been struggling to find toys or treats that are right for your dogs, look no further because this subscription box is in fucking credible. It comes straight to your doorstep. Um, and a standard bully make box comes with two to three seriously tough toys and three to four delicious natural treats that you can actually tailor for your dog's needs. So if your dog has allergies or particular likes, you you can just let them know that and they will make sure the box is 100% tailored to your dog. For example, Toby is allergic to grains and chicken when a lot of treats that are in normal pet stores don't like have all of those things in it. And so it's really tough to find things that A, are natural and actually I want to give to my dog because I care about that, um, but also B, that he can actually eat. And so it's super simple. It comes straight to your door. And what I love is every month is kind of tailored for a different theme. And so you're constantly mixing it up. And there's also a 14-day guarantee. Uh, so if your dog destroys the toy within 14 days, you can send it back and they'll send you a new one and a, a better chewing toy uh, for no additional charge. So I love them. It, working with them, I'm so excited. And I can't wait to bring this to you guys. So if you have a dog that's a power chewer or know somebody in your life that does and think it would be a really beautiful gift. I know we all love to celebrate our dog's birthdays. Definitely check them out. And I got a super badass code for you guys to get $10 off your box with them. So head over to Bully Make, B-U-L-L-Y-M-A-K-E.com and type in the code capital L-Y-F-Y-L. So that's short for live your fuck yes life. So L-Y-F-Y-L. When you check out, put that code in, you'll get $10 off your box and it'll come straight to you. Shipping in the U.S. is completely free. They also ship to Canada, the U.K. and Australia. So definitely check that out wherever you're at and I hope you enjoy. And speaking of being pumped, I think it is time for our review of the week. So as you guys know, I do shout outs every episode for reviews of the weeks, whether that's reviews on iTunes, uh, which are always the best and make my heart so, so happy to see, or shouting out the podcast on social media. I love seeing all your tags. Make sure you tag live your fuck yes life uh, while you're doing your Insta stories or anything like that and shouting it out and I will shout you out back because I'm all about sharing is caring. And today's review of the week comes from Redhead Rachie, which I'm pretty sure I know who this is. And the title says, Amanda is... Ah! 
amazing. Five stars. Love you, girl. And she says, Amanda is so raw, so authentic, and so real. As a fellow podcaster, she truly is what podcasting is about. She's down to earth and has a mission to do good with this podcast. What else can you ask for? Give it a listen. You won't regret it. Thanks, girl. That means the world to me. And again, if you want to leave a review, it would make my freaking day. So just head over to iTunes or go to your podcast app, scroll down to the bottom and leave one there. And without further ado, I am going to get to the episode because I know you guys are super freaking excited to get to know more about this gal. Like I said, we chat all about our past histories with eating disorders and how to get to recovery. Uh, and I get to interview the amazing Rini Frey. She is a fitness instructor, TRX trainer, and eating disorder recovery online coach. Uh, she's also a wife and a mom to her Boston Terrier Bruce, who is adorable and always on her Instagram. Uh, check her out. Uh, she believes that all bodies are beautiful and deserve to be labeled as fit. Being fit and healthy is a feeling more so than a look, and she is beyond excited to be part of the body positive movement. And I am too. It's such an empowering space to be in. Um, we talk about that at the end too, about our thoughts about the movement, which is super interesting. She had a really interesting perspective on it. And uh, as you guys navigate this episode, I just want you guys to really take uh, charge of your heart and take note and get curious about if anything that we say triggers you or if anything that we say, uh, you know, you don't agree with, because I just want to remind you before we get into the podcast that, you know, Rini is sharing her opinions and her thoughts based on her experiences. And I'm doing the same, um, you know, and what works for you might not be what we're sharing. And maybe it is, and that's awesome. Um, but also it's okay to have multiple different opinions. And you'll see that in our podcast, we actually don't disagree. We don't, actually don't agree on a couple of things. Um, when it comes to how we operate in the wellness space. And that's okay. Uh, not, you know, there's not one thing that's going to work for everybody. And depending on your history, depending on your experiences, um, what you need is going to be different than what someone else needs. So really, really just take this at with like, you know, with a great, as with a grain of salt and just be open to everything we share. Uh, we get super, super vulnerable and talk about some really intense things. So if you have experienced a history with eating disorders are currently going through that right now, uh, just be aware of that. And if that's a trigger for you, maybe this episode isn't for you to listen to, but if your heart is feeling open to it and you think that hearing someone else's story could be empowering for you and where you're at right now, I definitely recommend uh, giving it a listen. Rini's, Rini's heart is just so incredible. Her story is so moving, and I know you guys are going to fall in love with her just like I did. So without further ado, here we go. Yeah, I think it's so important because nobody yeah. talks about the quarter-life crisis and, like, the pressures we go through in our society to, like, when it comes to success and, like, our job and, like, everything has to be perfect. And if everything is falling apart, we, like, still try to keep up this perfect picture of everything and it's just so damaging. So I think, yeah, that's amazing. And that's also a niche for you, which is great. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So let's just dive on in. Like, I'm not all about, like, we were already recording. Like, I don't really care. Oh, we are? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, because this is just I about being real. I around over oh, there. yeah, I'm sneaky. Um, <laughs> but, 
you know, I just want everyone to hear a little bit about you. Cause obviously like I have been following you for a while on Instagram and like we've been, I, you know, I just, I love your message and everything. But for those of you who, those of the people on the podcast who don't maybe know you or know what you do kind of share a little bit more about like your journey and specifically health and wellness. Cause that's like a big part of where you're at. Um, but also like, you know, we are talking about quarter life crises. So when it comes to that for you, do you feel like you've had kind of like a big one in your life or do you feel like there's like that pivotal moment where you feel like everything kind of hit the fan or has it kind of been more a little, little ones here and there? Um, I would say I definitely had a few rock bottoms, but I had the biggest rock bottom and like the biggest wake up call right after my wedding. That was in October, 2016. I, um, and I'll talk about my story after that, but I had dieted harder than ever before for my mm-hmm. wedding because I wanted to look perfect in my dress and on the pictures and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my like three months before the wedding, my entire life was just all about the gym, how many workouts I can get in, you know, what foods I'm not allowed to eat. Um, I had cut my calories to like a very dangerous amount, um, which I had never done before unless I was like restricting after a binge, um, which mm-hmm. is a whole other story. But um, so I did that for the three months leading up to my wedding. My wedding itself, I was just starving the entire day. It was just like, I still had the best time, but it was terrible at the same time because mm-hmm. I couldn't truly focus and be present um, and enjoying this day with my family and friends and, and husband. And, you know, the next day I just woke up and I felt like this depression almost inside of me like okay now everything is over what now you know what am I going to diet for now um I don't have anything to diet for anymore and for me that was just such a pivotal moment um so I really fell into a deep depression after that because I went through so many changes I just moved to Canada for good um like after my wedding because I had gotten my permanent residency and it was just like a lot of changes I was going through yeah um so And before that, I always had like this end goal of, you know, either my wedding or like something else that I was dieting Mm -hmm. for. And now it was like, I had nothing to diet for in terms of, you know, distracting myself from what was actually going on in my Mm -hmm. life, because that was like the whole reason I was doing it Mm -hmm. is to just not feel my feelings or deal with anything that was going on in my life. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I just, that was definitely my rock bottom. And, you know, for two more months, I struggled a lot with food, um, which I can talk about too, if you like. Yeah, and then sure. I finally, for the first time, reached out for help. And that was winter 2016. Um, I hired somebody to help me and went from there. That's so and awesome. Then, yeah. And then you also asked about like my background and yeah, everything. Yeah, pause for one second though, because I just want to say like it's so crazy that this is your story. And I knew parts of this, but October, 2015, after my wedding in October, I also had my quarter life crisis breakdown. Like literally everything you're saying, I'm like, yep, this was my story. Like, but just a year later, it's so crazy. Yeah. It's crazy how weddings can really, really fucking shit, like make shit so terrible, like for women. And if you're listening to this and are prepping for a wedding or, think you might be getting married in the near future or maybe you're like a bridesmaid and a friend's wedding like you do not need to like I just say this a million times over you do not need to shift what you are doing or go on a crazy diet like to fit into a dress like it is about enjoying your day and yeah if you want to be mindful about the foods you're putting in your body so you can feel your best fucking a go for it but like 
But take it from me and Rainy when we say like, no, it is not a positive thing and it will probably lead you to have a quarter life crisis breakdown. So just that and like, you're just also not able to be fully present. Like this is yeah. such an exciting time. So you don't want to be preoccupied with food and workouts and, and needing to fit into a certain size. Like it's 100%. definitely not worth it for anyone who's listening. We can tell you that firsthand. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, yeah. So, talk to me a little bit more about. Obviously, that was a part of your story, and you you said you started talking to a coach that winter. So, was that somebody like a health coach? Was it like a what? What exactly was that for you? Yeah. So, it's actually a woman that my husband knows. Um, so, she has been through various eating disorders as well, and now she is a holistic health coach. Um, and I was, you know, I'm going to be honest, I thought mm-hmm. it was all kind of woo woo, like the whole holistic health, um, mm-hmm. you know, coaching business and all that. But I had nothing to lose at this point, And I didn't want to go into treatment. I wasn't ready for that. So that was like the next best thing for me. Um, and it really helped me to know that this person had been through what I'm going through right now. And, you know, she knows what works and what doesn't. And the thing too, is like, you need a person to just celebrate with but also share like your shitty days with and you need that person that is going to pull you out of your negative mindset too because it's so easy to just drown in it and to just victimize yourself Mm -hmm. and you know to not know where to go and to have just somebody who can put things in perspective for you and you know who can tell you who can navigate this world for you and kind of hold you accountable was just yeah it was definitely huge for me and then what she helped um, too, was just for me to set boundaries for myself. Cause mm-hmm. I was a people pleaser big time. I mm-hmm. wanted everybody to love me mm-hmm. and, you know, hence why I tried to look perfect because we get told by society that if we look perfect, you know, everybody's going to love us yep. and it doesn't matter our character. It's just, you know, we just need to be pretty. <laughs> um, so I was a big people pleaser and I never, you know, I feared confrontation. So she mm-hmm. kind of taught me how to set boundaries with people that were triggering for me or that were trying to hold me back or that were negative. Mm-hmm. So um, that was definitely huge for me as well. That's awesome. So you said eating disorder. So would you, do you consider that you had an eating disorder? Absolutely. I am. I've actually been diagnosed um, as well. So it started when I was 17, 18. It actually all started with a cleanse for me. Um, I had dieted on and off before that, but it was more like this yo-yo diet thing. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't really something I took very seriously, Mm -hmm. but that cleanse that I did just like propelled me into this whole dieting world of like, okay, what can I do now to keep the weight off? So um, I went raw vegan for a while. And this is what I consider um, my anorexic phase, because I was eating nothing but vegetables and and cold soups because it was raw vegan. Yeah. Um, and you know, sometimes like a little bit of fruit here and there, but I was just so malnourished. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I held on to that for over a year. And people wow. were concerned, but my body never dropped below, you know, the weight that is so concerning that people actually put you in treatment or put you in the hospital. Yeah. Um, and I had no idea how sick I was just yep. looking back now I know. Um, but yeah, so that phase then morphed into my bulimic phase, which was the next phase that, um, that lasted a few years for me. I just remember the day I woke up and I just had this ravenous hunger inside of me. Like, I don't know if you've been through, um, binge eating, but yeah, binge eating for like sure. This- 
very primal feeling of hunger and you just can't control it anymore. Um, and of course that scared the crap out of me yeah. because, you know, I was just restricting for so long. So the thought of just eating massive amounts of food just yeah. scared the crap out of me. Yeah. Um, so anytime something like a binge happened, I was trying to purge or exercise excessively or, um, or just restrict for like a week after. So that just kind of perpetuated the cycle of binging, restricting, mm -hmm. binging, restricting, just to try and keep my weight stable, mm -hmm. uh, so unhealthy and, yeah. you know, for my mental health, it was just the worst, like <laughs> that was what defined half of my twenties, which yeah. now is really sad looking back, I but, know. Uh, but it's such a thing. Like, I mean, I, this is my story too. You know, I mean, I, I didn't deal with specifically with anorexia and, and, um, bulimia, but I was super restrictive and I didn't know at the time what it was considered, but it's called orthorexia, which is over-exercising and exercising to the point of restriction and, you know, eating 1200 calories a day and thinking that that was too much. And then going on nightly binges and hiding it from my boyfriend, who now is my husband, but at the time I would like eat in my car and just stuff my face because I didn't know any better. And my body was like, what the fuck are you doing to me? And yeah, That's I mean, I lived that cycle for feel your pain. Yeah. And I just think like so many women go through this and we know this so well because I mean, both of us have social media accounts and both of us are, co are coaches and it's like, <laughs> I work with so many women who struggle on this phase. And it's like, if you're listening to this and you struggle with any of the things that we are talking about today, just please know you're not alone and that there is a way to not be on this train. Like it is not an easy thing to navigate your way through on your own. So like find the support and reach out and like, you can do it. Like you can get beyond it because we are both walking and talking billboards for that. I feel because like it, yeah, it took over my entire early twenties, literally five years of my life. Um, so I just, uh, I, yeah, thank you for sharing that part. Cause I know it's, it's, I know it's hard to talk about, but I also know it's so important too. So it gets easier to talk about it too. So um, I definitely encourage everybody who's listening to find a person that you trust and just start opening up and you mm -hmm. don't have to share the whole thing. But once you start sharing bits and pieces there, it just kind of snowballs mm -hmm. and you, you'll be at a point where you can't shut up about it anymore. At least yeah. that's the case for me. Yeah. yeah, It's just very healing to know that so many other women go through the same Thing. So definitely very powerful to start sharing. Yeah. So what was your first kind of big, I guess, I mean, obviously working with this coach, but what was your first, uh, I guess, like step out of the, the darkness, quote unquote, um, that really helped you sort of start to make those shifts and, and I don't know, share tools or whatever, whatever kind of started working for you in that sense. Sure. Um, so definitely the biggest one for me was to give myself full permission to eat mm -hmm. because for so many years, I never gave myself permission to eat. It was either restriction or it was the pendulum would swing to the other side and my body would rebel. And I would just, like you said, just stuff my face with food. Um, you know, by the end of a binge, I wouldn't even remember what I ate. Um, it was just yeah. all on autopilot. So I never actually allowed myself to eat. So 
Um, giving myself full permission to eat all the foods was the scariest thing, mm-hmm. but also the one thing that really helped me step out of restriction. And it wasn't like, you know, one day I just gave myself permission to eat and then I was fine. It yeah. was, you know, introducing, slowly introducing one food after another and just telling myself that I'm safe. You know, nothing mm-hmm. bad is going to happen if I consume this food. And the more I did that, um, the less scared I was of other foods. Um, and then that led me into deleting my fitness pal, slowly mm-hmm. stopping to track my foods one meal after another. Mm-hmm. Again, that wasn't something I could do cold turkey because for so many years I was, you know, it was a just habit. A, yeah, you were. It was ingrained every in you. Single morsel I was putting into my body, so it was a very scary thing to do. So I definitely started with, you know doing one untracked meal a day and going from there. Mm-hmm. And then the biggest milestone at the beginning of my recovery, it wasn't actually at the beginning, it was like six months in, is when I threw out my food scale. So that was just such a big deal to me because mm-hmm. I was, I would take my food scale with me everywhere. Oh like my God. Even to, like any trips we did and I would like pack my meals with me to eat in the hotel room and things like that it was just insane right so so were you really focusing on like macro and micronutrients and was that what you were tracking or what were you tracking in terms of I was yep I was definitely tracking macros and micros but I was also trying to stick to a caloric base um so I would eat that same meals over and over it wasn't about mm-hmm. tracking my macros so much as just an obsession to only eat my 100 grams of chicken breast with 100 grams of broccoli, yep. you know, for lunch and dinner every single day, have the exact same snacks, measure everything out. So I just know exactly what goes into my body. So it was definitely more on the orthorexic side for yeah, me. Yeah, for sure. Because yeah, I was definitely only eating like six foods <laughs> day in, day out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I totally resonate. I had really like, I had probably two years where I just ate the same thing every day mm-hmm. until I would binge. But yeah. for the most part, like my planned specific meals were all really, really planned out. Did you have specific fear foods that were like really big triggers for you? Yes. And the funny thing is that like my fear foods were carrots and yam and just things that are like not unhealthy or Mm -hmm. you know it's not I mean obviously it was chocolate and stuff too but yeah I was was scared to eat carrots and yam because of the sugar sugar, content quote unquote Mm -hmm. um and you know what it would do to my blood sugar or whatever so that was a big one I had to read as well as you know it's like chicken thighs because I would only eat Mm -hmm. the breast the breast yeah (laughs) or Mm -hmm. you know red meat and you know eggs not Mm -hmm. just egg whites like that whole thing oh my gosh yes very deep in that orthorexic space. Yeah. I didn't eat carbs for two years. Wow. Literally not any carb, not one carb for two, unless it was like a fruit, you know, for two whole fucking years. And that is so damaging, especially for women, right? Because of our hormones. Yeah. So it just throws everything out of whack. It's the worst thing we could have done. <laughs> I know, but at least we're making, making steps moving yeah. forward. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So you you know, eliminate, you started like bringing the foods back in and just like embracing all the foods and you started like finding some healthy mindset tools. Like what, do you have like a set of, of self-care routines that kind of helps you navigate that water? Or was it kind of like, you said it was very slowly introduced and obviously it does not happen overnight because you know, when you're in that phase, it, 
is really damaging and it takes you a really long time to get out. But what were some of your favorite kind of things that maybe you still do that helped you not just shift your body image and the way you associate it, but like, I think it all really resonates and and stems from your mindset and how that lands. So kind of what did you do mindset wise that really helped you navigate the waters and get you to where you are now? So one big thing for me was just learning to appreciate my body versus, you know, striving for that unconditional body love. Mm-hmm. It was just so hard for me to grasp, especially at the beginning, because I hated my body for, you know, 15 years of my life. Mm-hmm. So the thought of just loving my body was just so unrealistic. So what I did each day was just as soon as I woke up, I would count five things I appreciate about my body. And that, that was things like hey, I appreciate my legs because they're going to help me walk places today or Mm -hmm. drive to work. Or, you know, I appreciate my heart for beating in my chest and Mm -hmm. pumping this blood through my veins so I can live life. Um, You know, just little things like that that had nothing to do with the aesthetic side of my body, but Mm -hmm. just really appreciating what my body did for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, nowadays it's things like, oh my goodness, my body is so resilient. I put my body through 12 years of pain. And now it's like one and a bit years into recovery. And my body is healthier than it's ever been. My hormones are back in balance. Like our bodies are just so strong and they can bring everything back into balance. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was definitely a big one for me. That's awesome. I love that. And that's something that I even try to do now. Like sometimes I'll I'm, and, it, and if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've probably heard that I'm a post-it note fan. Like I love post-it notes. And sometimes, and I have my clients do this too, is I'll have them like the thing that we're struggling with the most of how we feel, like I put the positive affirmation on the, on its flip and I flip it on its side. So if I'm saying, if I'm feeling, you know, if I'm feeling really, really unsexy, I, I write something on a post-it note and it says you're sexy as fuck. And it's just like Mm -hmm. constantly on my bathroom mirror or on my, you know, dashboard of my car. And just even those little reminders. Cause yeah, like I, I don't, I don't know if you experienced this too in your own life, but I, I used to call myself a recovered binge eater, but now I call myself a recovering one because I don't think you ever fully recover. I truly don't. Um, I feel like it's constantly a part of you. And I think if we expect, especially coming from a perfectionist background, I think if we expect to make this like magical place where we're like all, all of a sudden we don't struggle with this in any facet, we're just kidding ourselves because we're human beings and there are going to be days when food is, is an issue or food is frustrating and, you know, or, or we're just like not, we don't have a healthy relationship with our body because that's part of being a woman, I think, especially in today's society. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's something that I'm constantly striving for. Is that something you struggle with still too? Totally. I think that the body image part is the last one that falls into place for Mm -hmm. me. It was, you know, compared to the body image part, reintroducing my fear foods and giving myself permission to eat, I was fine with that because I could see what it did with my body. It brought my period back, you know, my hair grows back now, my nails are strong, Um, you know, my skin isn't breaking out anymore. I could just see the change, but the body image part is just something we're constantly told, right? If we don't look a certain way, we're not enough, so... It's just something we constantly have to fight against, which Mm -hmm. can be a daily battle. I do believe, though, that 
you know, even if there isn't such a thing as a full recovery, because, you know, we did experience what we did, and it's going to be part of us. There is, you know, the tools that you can have on hand to kind of be aware of these thoughts that come creeping in, especially Mm -hmm. when you're stressed. I find they definitely come back. Mm -hmm. I tend to take stress out on my body when I have a stressful day. I'm like, ugh, look at my body. You know, I have like these very negative thoughts towards it, but I'm just able to flip it around. Like you said, not with post-it notes. I think that's a great thing, by the way. I'm totally doing that. (laughs) Yeah, do it. (laughs) Um, But just like with other techniques that, that you have on hand. So it's just really important to have that little set of tools to, to help you navigate that on a daily basis. What are a couple of your tools that you use to do? Definitely the positive affirmations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another big thing for me is that I have this inner mean girl that likes to pop up mm-hmm. usually once a day, at least mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes more than that. And you know, I realized that this is just a voice of like a past version of me that went through something traumatizing. Um, you know, like something somebody said to me about my body when I was little, you know, that little girl is still inside of me and she comes mm-hmm. out screaming if I'm having a bad day. So, you know, if I put on my clothes and this little girl comes out and she's like, you look disgusting, you know, you can't wear those jeans, look at you, you know, everyone's going to think you're fat. Mm -hmm. Um, And not that there's anything wrong with fat, by the way, but you know, in my head, it's still something that, you know, I'm I'm scared of based on. Yeah, Yeah. totally. So I just go to this girl with compassion. And I literally have an internal conversation with her. I'm telling her, hey, you're going to be okay. You know, you don't need to be scared anymore. We're big enough now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're our own woman. And Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can just be quiet now. Everything's going to be okay. You're safe, right? So I think we just have to be very, very compassionate with ourselves. So self-compassion is definitely one of my biggest tools. Just approach every single thing that goes on inside of you with compassion because, you know, we just grow up in a world where it's really hard to navigate it as a woman. For sure. I love that. And I have to honor you for getting to that point because that's something I've been personally working on is, you know, I call it your inner shit talker, um, you know, but it's like, it's this voice that's constantly there. And, and it is, it's just constantly telling you that you're not good enough, that you're not pretty enough, that you're not smart enough, that you're not a good enough friend, wife, daughter, whatever. And, you know, I, some, I read this book, have you read it? It's called mastering your mean girl by Melissa Ambrosini. No, I haven't read it. You should read it. It's amazing. Um, and I'll link the, uh, the link for that in the show notes, but I read it, um, with my book club, I want to say almost a year ago now, and it really clicked for me, like all of the stuff, because before I had been really negative to my inner shit talker or inner mean girl, and I'd always been saying like, no, shut up, like I don't need you, like I'm stronger than you, as if it was like this fight, but the self-compassion piece is so key, because the second you get to actually love on that part of you, because it is a part of you, right, and the second you say, hey, Thank you for trying to keep me safe. I appreciate you for being here, but I'm good. I've got this and we're in this together. And I know it may sound so weird. Like I know the first time I heard about this, I was like, I am not talking to my inner self. Like what? This doesn't make any sense. But I really, really encourage all of you listening. If this is something you struggle with, read this book or just just like use one of the things that we said today and like actually employ that into your day. And the second you have that mean girl pop into your head, treat her with grace, treat her with kindness, treat her with compassion and say, Hey, 
I appreciate you. Thank you for trying to support me and, and keep me safe, but I'm good. I've got this. And that's not where I'm at right now. Um, and that way you can navigate the waters in such a more powerful and like empowering way instead of like a fight to the finish kind of a thing. Yeah, because that also keeps you in this negative mindset. Exactly. And that was also one of the biggest things that my coach taught me at the very beginning and that I'm trying to now, you know, give to my clients too, is to wake up every day. And if you have a negative thought right away, as soon as you wake up, because that happens, just say to yourself, okay, how can I be kind and gentle with myself today? Because Mm -hmm. if we approach everything with kindness and compassion, like you said, it just puts us into that peaceful state, you know, and you don't have to be in that loving state with your body. You just want to be at peace. Right. And that, that actually is what happiness is to me. It's not like jumping around with joy all day, every day. Um, Like that's very unrealistic, but just, just being at peace with where you're at in life and who you are, is just what will make you happy for sure. Yeah. And that sense of sense of self-worth, you know, and, and calm for sure. I love that. Okay. So take me back. Cause I know you, you mentioned that you, you lost your period for a while and that hormones have played like your hormonal balancing has played a part of your journey. So can you share a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So I first lost my period when I was in my anorexic phase. So as soon as I did the cleanse, like the month after my period just disappeared. Um, And then it kind of came back when I was in my bulimic phase, depending on what my caloric intake was. Um, But I lost it definitely for a number of years when I was in my orthorexic phase. Mm -hmm. And the biggest trigger for that was my exercise routine. Mm -hmm. So um, the more you exercise, if it gets too much for your body, and it's different for everybody, but mm-hmm. the minute your body senses danger, which is essentially what too much exercise will do to your hormones, yeah, it will shut down all the functions that aren't necessary for your survival, as well as, you know, it thinks to itself, hey, this isn't a safe place to put a baby in right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we won't get pregnant, sister. Yeah. <laughs> so I definitely lost my period there. And, you know, my hormones were so out of whack because my anxiety was through the roof. Um, and then what I shared earlier about my skin breaking out, my nails were brittle, mm-hmm. my hair was falling out. You know, I was always just went through this roller coaster of emotions every single day. Like I would be happy and then I would cry and then I would be angry and then I would yell at people. Like I was just so imbalanced. Mm -hmm. So um, as soon as I stopped that super intense exercise routine, a couple months later, my period came back, which is just so, so powerful. And people don't believe me when I tell them that because they, you know, people I talk to, they, they've lost their periods for years and you know, they're first of all scared to cut back on their exercise and add calories into their meals. So they go to all these expensive supplements and they go to naturopaths and, you know, they tried all these things and there's nothing wrong with naturopaths, like not at all. But the only thing that helped me after trying everything else is to eat more and exercise less. Like that was the one thing that brought my period back. So how much were you exercising before? I would go to the gym in the morning for about 90 minutes and do my weightlifting routine, um, which was very high intensity. So mm-hmm. it would always be like high intensity interval training style, yeah. but with heavy weights. And then I would go back at night and do an hour of cardio sometimes too. Oh my gosh. Brutish. Yeah. 
I did similar, but I swapped it. So I did cardio in the morning. I ran, even though I hate running, like with a fiery passion. I fucking hate it. <laughs> and I ran every day for five, I think 3.5 miles every day. And then it was 5K. I'm always, I'm always thinking in Canada terms. <laughs> um, and then, um, and then at night I would do my strength training routine for sure. Yeah. And there was, yeah, you guys like working out too much puts so much adrenal fatigue on your body. And if you are feeling out of whack, if your anxiety is in the roof, if you're feeling extra stressed, if your body is just like exhausted all the time and you can't understand why, that's probably it. Like your body really, yes, it does need to move. It's so vital. And both of us are huge advocates for moving your body in ways that light you up. But when it comes down to it, you have to be doing it not in crazy amounts and in ways that empower you. Like I personally love high intensity interval training. It really makes me so happy, but I do it for 30 minutes, not for two hours. Yeah. Exactly. Um, cause you also teach fitness stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What classes do you teach? I mainly teach boot camp classes, so mm. it's also very high intensity. And mm. I also teach TRX classes. I'm also TRX certified trainer. So what led you to go down that path, especially since I know you, you stopped working out for a while after going through this. So kind of how did you navigate the waters going back into incorporating fitness in a healthy way? It was really hard. I'm not going to lie at the beginning. Um, you know, the first thing that was hard was just stopping the exercise. I just knew that was the one thing I needed to do for my body to actually recover. So I'm not constantly fatigued. So I don't crash at 7 p.m. on the couch because I was so tired. Get up at night like five times to pee, all that stuff. Like I knew I needed to do it for my sanity. Um, but then it was also hard to go back because, you know, I knew I was putting on weight. And as a fitness professional, I think, you know, before that I was just so ripped. Mm-hmm. And I was like the picture of health and fitness that we get bombarded with. I was that person. So people were believing me when I was giving them tips on, you know, how to live a healthy lifestyle yeah. and stuff like that. And now going back, I realized that, you know, sometimes my clients were leaner than me or, you know, sometimes they were fitter than me or stronger than me, or, you know, they just, they just looked better quote unquote, than me, um, according to society standards. So it was just really hard to navigate that, but you know, my clients were just so amazing. Like they're just so supportive and none of my fears became true. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I thought, Oh my God, I'm going to lose all my clients and everybody's going to leave me. But you know, now I have way more clients and you know, people just resonate with my story so much and they find it powerful that I'm honest about it. So, um, it was definitely like a huge part of my recovery to, to find ways of moving my body that felt good, you know, and I got to say, like, even over a year into recovery, my exercise regime, you know, isn't back to where it was, not nearly, and maybe it never will be, right? Mm -hmm. Like, never, maybe I'll never be as strong as I used to be, and that's okay. Maybe I'll never be as fast as I used to be, and that's okay, but now when I move my body, I do it out of really wanting to Mm -hmm. and wanting the best for my body and wanting to take care of myself and feel good and get those endorphins. And it's not like 
it doesn't feel like a chore anymore. Yeah. It doesn't feel like I have to go. Otherwise my day is ruined. hundred percent. Right? So I can just take like five rest days in a row and I'm totally cool with it. Or, you know, I can work out four days in a row. And then usually, you know, I have like a really good feeling when my body's had enough. Mm-hmm. So, you know, usually I think, okay, that was a little much today. So maybe we'll take the next few days off and take it easy. What are some of your favorite ways to work out? Like what, what lights you up? I love high intensity interval training. Mm-hmm. It's just... Like the so best. empowering. It makes me feel so badass. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm not, especially because I've been for so long, I'm not a person that can just run on the treadmill for two hours anymore. I just did that to punish myself for so many mm-hmm. years. So I just, I never do it anymore. Never. Yeah. Um, you know, if I do feel like going on the treadmill, I do 10 minutes of sprints. Um, and then I do like, you know, 30 seconds of sprints, 30 seconds of rest, 30 seconds of sprints and rest. Right. So it's just so, so different from what it used to be. Um, I also like lifting very heavy weights. Mm-hmm. It just makes me feel super strong. Mm-hmm. But I also want to say that, you know, ever since I recovered, I'm more than happy to just try out new things. So it doesn't have to be like a workout routine anymore. So sometimes my husband and I are like, hey, let's go to the trampoline park today. Yes, love that. Or like, hey, let's just go for a long walk. Or like, Mm -hmm. let's go snowshoeing. Let's go for a hike. Like, let's go ice skating. There's just so many things and ways to move your body that aren't bound to the gym, which is, yeah, very powerful for me to learn after so many years of, of being that gym rat. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I totally resonate. Oh my gosh. So many good things. Okay. Um, so I know that you're really into the body positivity movement on Instagram specifically. Um, her handle's at own it babe, and that'll be in the show notes too, so you can check her out and stuff. Um, but tell me kind of how you got involved in that. Was it kind of by accident? Um, because I feel like you're super like super present in that space. Um, and how do you feel about that movement in general? I just would love to hear your thoughts. Mm -hmm. It was definitely by accident. So I didn't plan on being, you know, having that voice that I have now on social media. So my account actually started as a fitness account, um, with a friend of mine, we worked out together. So we thought, Hey, let's just start posting our workouts. Mm -hmm. Um, but then she went off and did her own account. And, you know, I was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my account. So I started posting my food and like just stuff I did and, you know, just random things. Mm -hmm. Um, and then after a while I started sharing bits and pieces of my story and I found that people were really resonating with that and resonating with that raw aspect of you know how I how I word my captions and the pictures that I post um so it just kind of morphed into this other account of like um sharing body positivity um sharing you know how to embrace your body how to accept where you're at in your journey and things like that Mm -hmm. and this is kind of now my niche where I ended up in And, you know, how I feel about the body positivity movement, I can get onto a whole rant about this. (laughs) I love the original movement, because it's about accepting your body as is, but also all bodies are equal, all races are equal, Mm -hmm. all classes are equal. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just this big, deep movement that goes down so many layers. And nowadays, it's it's very mainstream and I see a lot of accounts that call themselves body positive yet they're trying to change their body and they're trying to lose weight and they're advocating for a specific lifestyle diet like clean eating or or paleo or keto or whatever Mm -hmm. and that to me isn't what body positivity is about right so 
I just find that it's very damaging to people that are new to this space because they can't really navigate it and understand what it's about. So do you think that the body positivity movement is solely for embracing your body and has nothing to do with food or fitness? It does. Absolutely. Everything. Okay. Yeah. It does have a lot to do with food as well. Um, I, I think that intuitive eating plays a huge role in body positivity. Not that it officially goes together, but you know, it's about nourishing your body with foods that feel good, but also not restricting yourself and, you know, allowing those fun foods into your life as well. And just kind of listening to your body and seeing which foods make you thrive and which foods maybe don't make you thrive. Um, and sometimes still choosing to, you know, eat those foods and, and just deal with the aftermath without feeling guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fitness absolutely is a huge part of it because the body positivity movement is about moving your body out of joy and out of being grateful for what your body can do versus moving your body to burn calories yeah. or lose weight or get lean or, you know, build muscle. Um, and, you know, there's this whole other aspect of fitness for me that has everything to do with how do you want to, how do you want to navigate your life? And how do you want to feel when you're like 80 years old? How do you and feel, how do you want to feel? Like, yes. Yeah. For me, it's like, I want to be active when I'm 80 years old. Like I don't want to sit in a wheelchair. I want to be able to like squat over the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> I want to have great sex like- when I'm 80. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, these are the reasons for me to move my body. Cause it yeah. just brings me so much joy and it helps, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. So you just, you want to keep active for sure, but it's just, it has like a whole different set of reasons now. Yeah. I, I hear that. And the fitness stuff I really get, and from a, from a nutrition standpoint, because I'm all about, you know, fuel, using food as fuel. Like that's for me, I'm all about breaking the diet. But I will say I tried the whole intuitive eating thing and maybe it was just the years I've been on um, not eating well and binging and, and having like that yo-yo experience. Um, and maybe it's just my, my type A need for like a structure. Um, and I thrive best with a plan and a plan that is easy to navigate and shift. Like, it's not like I have to only eat this. Um, but when I intuitively ate, I intuitively ate my feelings and I just, I, I was like binging again and it brought back all of those old things. So it's really interesting because I know some people like love it and thrive by it and it sounds like that's something that's worked really well for you, which is awesome. And I, I think that's really so great. Um, but you know, like when I, I know personally, like for me, it's been about figuring out the foods that make me feel really amazing. Um, like for me, I was eating all of the foods and then I realized that I was having a lot of skin issues. Like my eczema was flaring back up and I tried going grain free over the summer for a couple of months just to see, cause I know it's an inflammatory food and it went away. And so then I reintroduced some of the grains that I love most and specifically a lot of, a lot of gluten stuff. And <laughs> when I ate the gluten stuff, my skin came right back. So I then went gluten free for a month and it went completely away again. So I've been gluten-free for the most part um, since about, I guess, probably about six months now, and I feel so much better. Um, and so f- for me, it's not about restricting anymore, and and I'm at a point now where I've obviously had reintroduced all the food, so it was very much like a powerful experience for me. It's more about like my body does not thrive with this, and so I still, like when I was in Hawaii, like I definitely for sure had some gluten when I was there. I had an entire bowl of ramen, and it was fucking incredible, and they didn't have gluten-free noodles, and I said, what the fuck? I'm going to eat this anyways, 
but it's definitely something that I'm way more mindful of because I know it doesn't make me feel good. So so that's something that personally really resonates with me. So if, if you've tried intuitive eating before and it doesn't resonate with you, try eating what feels good and then navigating that too. And if you haven't tried intuitive eating, like see if that that does resonate. It's kind of, I feel like it's a really hard concept to grasp though. Um, how did it take you a while to kind of get to a point where you felt intuitive with that? Definitely. I would say it took me a few months to truly understand um, what it's all about. And especially to not feel guilty mm-hmm. when I was eating certain foods. Cause that that's like the thing that keeps you binging is yeah. that food and guilt you feel when you eat certain foods, um, because then you get into that screw it mentality of yeah. like, Oh, fuck it. I'm I'll just going to eat the whole, whole thing. thing. <laughs> doesn't matter now. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> I screwed up. Um, yeah. This is exactly why I personally, and this is just my experience yeah, sure. of why I moved away from a meal plan because that's what made me feel restricted um, because then I would have like a tiny morsel of extra food that wouldn't be in my plan. And I would feel so guilty that I would just swing, you mm-hmm. know, on the pendulum, just swing to the other direction and just binge mm-hmm. um, or just feel like this huge guilt and just shame and just wanting to curl up in bed and just stay there forever. Mm-hmm. So I needed to get rid of that. And um, now I forgot your question. Was oh. it hard for me? Yeah. Like what, how long did it take? How long was the process oh, yeah. for you to figure that yeah, out? Yeah. So I would say it took me about six months to truly understand um, and to also stop overeating <laughs> because this is a normal thing you go through if you just restrict it for so long. Um, and now you want to figure out like your natural hunger and fullness signals, you know, like if you watch an infant, they know exactly how much food they need. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, our bodies are so wise, our bodies know exactly how much food they want and how much they need to thrive. Mm -hmm. So you just, you just need to get back into tune with your body. And, you know, depending on how long you were on like this restrictive past, it's going to take, take a while to get there. Um, So the first six months, I definitely had some phases where I overate. Um, And I just kept telling myself, like, you don't need to feel guilty now. You're just trying to get everything back into balance. And I also had some days where I didn't eat enough. And I had to learn to be okay with that, too, instead of being, like, proud of it, you know, and telling myself, hey, this is great. Like, keep it up. Um, (laughs) So just kind of being neutral around food. Um, And then, again, this is my experience, too. But with the meal plan, I just found myself obsessing over food all day and just, like, waiting for my next um you know whereas now I can like just eat when I'm hungry and then I just move on with my day and I just put my energy into all the other things that are going on in my life right now so if you are wanting to try intuitive eating for anyone that's listening I would definitely you know give yourself a couple of months until Mm -hmm. you figure out what it's all about so don't get discouraged if you find yourself you know swinging the other way and just overeating and just tell yourself it's going to be okay so the most important thing is to not feel any guilt or shame around food um, because that's also restrictive that is restricting you and eventually your body will rebel so yeah what were some of those signals that you like heard I guess from your body or felt um that like gave you those clues that yeah okay like this is part of the journey of intuitive eating and stuff because I know personally like it was really hard for me to navigate those waters so I'd love to hear since it's been so successful for you what that was like do you mean like in terms of feeling full or in terms of which food works um I think both like whatever kind of resonates with you but yeah I guess the the sensations your body was giving you that was telling you, yeah, this food is good or like good for you and feels good, not good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like th- this is what you're hungry right now and it's genuinely hunger, not just 
I need board and I want to eat. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. Um, so I've always had a sensitivity to dairy and I always told myself that I have a sensitivity to gluten. So those were two big things that I slowly reintroduced because I wanted to see if it was my eating disorder talking or if it was actually my body not, you know, agreeing with these foods. Um, so it's just definitely important to, to see if you feel bloated or unwell after you eat a certain food. Um, and then at the beginning, again, if you have been restricting in the past, for me, I was only eating six foods for two years straight. So my body was sensitive to pretty much anything everything. else, yeah. everything, but yeah. these six foods. So um, I had to be patient with myself and just just kind of power through those first two months of just feeling bloated all the time and mm-hmm. holding onto water like crazy. I just had to power through that. And once you're there on the other side and your digestion has calmed down a little bit, um, you're going to see which foods kind of make you lethargic and, you know, make you crash and just wanting to lay on the couch and which foods give you energy. And, you know, I'm not going to say that sometimes I still indulge. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say indulge because it's just soul a, food. Like, call it soul food. That's what I call it. But, you know, I eat the slice of cake or whatever yeah. or the cupcake. And I'm just okay with the aftermath. I'm just going to know that like, okay, I'm just going to feel tired for the next two hours, but that's fine because I want to eat this cupcake Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to feel guilty about it. Um, So then again, back to the dairy and the gluten. So my body still feels unwell when I eat dairy, but now I have actually reintroduced yogurt and cheese into my diet because the lactose isn't very high in those Mm -hmm. um, two. So Mm -hmm. they definitely work for me if, you know, if I don't overdo it on them. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I do, right, again, I don't beat myself up. Like my skin might break out for a little bit. So I just, I'm just more mindful about it. Yeah. Um, Gluten. Funny enough, I am totally cool with gluten now. That <laughs> doesn't surprise me with your European roots. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's funny because I thought I was sensitive and I did like a celiac test, I think three times and it always came back negative. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm definitely sensitive to it though. Yeah. Like I definitely have the food sensitivity. Um, you know, I always break out when I eat gluten and stuff like that. And it was definitely for me personally, just my internal stress that I had built up around gluten, mm-hmm. um, which can definitely mess with your skin and yeah, your health as sure. well, you know, if you stress out over it. So now, you know, like you said, I'm European. I love bread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I have bread every day and I'm absolutely fine. So um, it was just getting over that initial fear of it and then allowing it back into your life without feeling guilty. I'm so proud of you. Like I'm, I'm seriously, like, it's so incredible. Your journey is just seriously like so empowering. And I just think it's really amazing that you have put into place these really healthy, positive habits into your life that allow you to live an empowered life and live a fuck yes life and feel really amazing in your own skin. Like it is fucking hard to feel that way as a woman. And I'm just really proud of you. And I just want to honor you for that. So thank you for sharing your story. I'm really proud of you too. I think what you're doing is amazing. You're helping so many women on their journeys and you found what works for you, which is the most important thing. A hundred percent. And we were talking about that um, before too, but you guys like there is not 
a one all, like size fits all, like maybe, you know, the keto thing is, is for you. And like, it makes you feel amazing. Like it doesn't resonate with me because it's elimination and it triggers me, but that doesn't mean that like there is the right thing. There's no right thing. There's just the right thing for you. And the, you know, all you can do is really focus on how you feel. All you can do is really just embrace the foods in your life, um, wherever you're at and, and listen to your body. Yeah. Listen to your body and see what works and see what doesn't and and go from there like there is not one size fits all I cannot say this enough um navigate it and figure it out for you so and I get a lot of comments um of people on my Instagram saying that you know for them the paleo diet works or like it makes them feel amazing or for them the keto diet works and and I'm like hey you know kudos to you that's great I'm not you know I'm not here to bash anybody that's on um, a specific diet, because if it works for them, that's great. Right. And if they can imagine themselves 25 years from now, still being on this diet and feeling amazing, good for them. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like you said, there's definitely not a one thing that helps everybody for sure. And I will just say like, I have not personally tried keto, so I can't like be one to talk about this, but I just, I do know that I have a lot of friends who've done it and done it for too long. Like you're not actually supposed to do it for longer than I think it's like a 21 day period to get yourself into ketosis. So just be mindful of that. If that's something you're looking into and do your research, do your research before you do anything, because it's so easy to just get wrapped up in the fad diets and listen to Instagram people who are not actually like, they don't actually know what they're talking about because they're just going through their, what, what they're experiencing. And that doesn't mean that that is the word, you know? So make sure you do your research before you do anything. Awesome. Well, before we hop off, um, I always end my podcast by doing some fun, like little quick questions. So are you ready? Okay. Where is your favorite spot that you've traveled to? Definitely Maui. Maui. Okay. I was just in Hawaii. So I feel that. What, why, why was it your favorite? Um, well, we got engaged there. So oh. it'll always be a special place. And it was just like this vacation where I just completely unwinded, mm-hmm. unplugged from everything. I didn't even like, I didn't turn my phone on at all. I wasn't really active on Instagram back then. It was 2000, early 2015. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'll just always remember it as like a super peaceful, amazing time of my life. Did you guys go on hikes and stuff while you were there? We did. Yeah. So we went um, to see the sunrise at Haleakala, which is that volcano. And this is oh, where Sean cool. proposed to me, which, <gasps> oh yeah, was so cute. <laughs> um, and I also had no idea too. Um, and then we also did this other hike in West Maui, which is like um, a 5k hike or 3.5 mm-hmm. miles, I guess, for mm-hmm. the American listeners, where you just go uphill, uphill, uphill. And then you're at the top of the mountain and you just see the whole island and you can see out into the vast ocean. And it's just amazing. Totally recommend it. Yeah. I was just in Oahu, um, with my best friend for a week and we literally went on so many hikes. I couldn't, I mean, and the last one we did, um, if you guys are ever in the Oahu area, go to Lanikai and there's a, there's a trail called Lanikai Pillbox. And I mean, the trail going up, it was crazy. Like there was a part where they literally had built in like ropes to the side of the trees because it was so steep that you had to like almost like propel yourself up or down and you go down that too. So, and it was a little muddy. So it was, I mean, it was an adventure, but when you get to the top, it's just, you oversee everything. It's so gorgeous. I mean, yeah, Hawaii is everything I thought it would be and more. It was so great. So I love that. We agree. Okay. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Hmm, that's an interesting one. 
Um, I, I would say flying. Mm-hmm. I could see everything from above. I went to a virtual reality room uh, a couple of weeks ago. I totally oh recommend that too. And I did the Google Earth um, version of it. So I was able to like see all the cities I wanted from above. It was That's amazing. That's so crazy. I've yet to try it. Was it, ever, was it crazy? I've heard it's a little disorienting. It's for me, it was very, very crazy um, because it felt so real. Like yeah. you have these goggles on and you just, you know, you can do a whole turn and you see the entire room, you know, and then we play these video games where you can see like the people that play it with you. They're right there with you. You can talk to them. Um, you know, you can literally like make that arm movement where you pull an arrow out and yeah. then like shoot the arrow. What? It's, it's Shut crazy. Up. Oh my God. That sounds <laughs> so, so crazy. And then you take those goggles off in the end and you're like, oh my God, my real life is so boring. I want to go back. <laughs> I feel like in 50 years, people are going to listen to this episode of the podcast and be like, uh, cool. duh, that's our life. What do you mean yeah, you don't live in virtual reality? Like, where is our life going? I don't know. <laughs> crazy. That's fun. I used to say flying too. I used to have this dream as a kid that I was always flying and like I would be flying like over top of like my classroom, like my fifth grade classroom. I'll never forget this. And Monsieur Pascal was always down there and like I would be flying but nobody would know that I was there and so I felt super stealth um but I think now I would say teleportation just because I like really really just think it would be so nice to be able to see my best friends um you know the snap or like my family just to be able to like have a hug even sometimes for my mom like she doesn't live that far away but Toronto is not the closest to Chicago and I just sometimes you just need a hug from your mom you know, know. you totally Skype get that FaceTime just doesn't really cut it hey yeah so teleportation for sure uh, but I love flying too it's a good one okay and last one what does it mean to you to live a fuck yes life hmm great question I would say just feeling your fear and doing it anyways um I definitely mm. say that if you right now feel stuck or if you feel like your life is either boring or just unfulfilling and you keep doing the same thing day in day out this is a great sign that you need to change something um and for me it was just getting completely out of my comfort zone and I try to do that every single day I try to do something that gets me out of my comfort zone that makes me almost a little scared Mm -hmm. um because if I feel scared it's actually the same feeling as being excited you know you get Mm -hmm. those butterflies in your tummy and you start shaking and you get like all you know, all just mm-hmm. hyper kind of thing. Um, this to me is just a sign that I'm doing something that's best for me and something brave, quote unquote. Um, so that to me, it is living your fuckiest life. I love that. I could not agree more. My word of the year is unapologetic. And for me, that's facing my fears. So yeah, yeah let's do that. Let's freaking face our fears and let's embrace the uncomfortable and grow and find the joy in the process. Cause I think that's what living is all about. So could not have said it better myself. Awesome. Well, you are amazing. I am seriously like so in love with you and so in love with your story. And I know that all of my listeners will feel the same way. So where can they connect with you? Like how can they get to know you better and where's the best place for them to find you online? No, thank you so much. I love you too. <laughs> I'm mostly active on Instagram. My handle is at Onababe. Um, I'm also very active on my blog, which is called Onababe as well. So um, Onababe.ca because I am in Canada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, this is the two places where you find me the most. Definitely Instagram. Um, I'm there, hang out there every day. And I love connecting with people. I love, you know, just 
being part of their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's definitely the one place where I hang out the most right now. Love that. Yeah, definitely give her a follow and all of that will be in the show notes. So you guys can easily click on over there. Um, And yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You are amazing. Thank you for having me, girl. And there you have it. Thank you so much, Rini, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. And for all of the things that we chatted about in today's episode, make sure to check out amandacatherineloy.com slash podcast slash eight for all of the show notes. Everything's there, plus all of our fun hikes. Uh, we, I also link those up for you guys, too, in case for whatever reason you want to travel to Hawaii soon, because let me tell you, it's a beautiful place. And as always, I hope you spend the next week embracing your fuck yes life, whether that's navigating the mess and embracing it and feeling the feels or implementing some of these tools into your life. I want to hear how you're doing. Shout us out on the podcast, um, on Instagram, or reach out into our community. The link for that is in the show notes. I would love to see your heart in there and to get to know you better on a more personal level and and see how, how you're doing on this journey we call life. And so until next week, I will see you and have a badass fuck yes week. <laughs> <laughs>